I'm finna put all this in my book bag, cause I'm from the streets. Yeah, yeah. Boom, what's going on? It's your boy Ambition, and welcome to another episode of the MYFB podcast. Today with me, I have Mr. Jonathan Harris. And Jonathan, tell us a little bit about you. Hey, Ambition, thanks for having me on. I am a dad, and um, I like I like saying that right off the bat because that's my particular passion. I have uh, a lot of teenagers. I have actually nine kids, um, all from the same mom, and I'm very very passionate about it. I think my oldest, well, I, don't know, I think my oldest one is 24. It's going to be 25 pretty soon, and I got uh, five out of the home, four still in the house, and I got really excited. Uh, when my kids, my oldest at that time was 12, about not having him go through the same traditional educational path that I went through and my friends went through, because a lot of times as adults later on, you kind of get frustrated about how did you wind up where you are? And when you read all the other self-help books and read the podcasts, a lot of times people said, if only I had started sooner, you know, fill in the blank, uh, going down this path then I would have had the flexibility instead of, you know, trying to claw my way out of it or try to get back to where my original vision was. And so what I started doing is applying a lot of these principles that adults talk about after they hit their midlife crisis or, or that frustrating point, you know, after college or whatever it is. And I said, well, why don't I experiment on my kids? Uh, I experimented in a safe way, but I actually started trying out the unpacking the principles. Mm-hmm down to their age. Some things didn't work. Some things worked really well. And I originally started documenting that it's over a decade ago. I was thinking, hey, you know, in those days, you know, if you want to start a blog, just talk about your your journey on this. And so I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, over time, my and wife real quick, and I... When, yeah, when, you say, when you say in those days, what, what year are we talking about? Because uh, I'm we're talking about I... 2008. Nice. 2008. I'm trying to remember that was the the kind of the crash, you know, of the economy or at least the sector of the economy. Right. Um, and simultaneously, it's the start of social media as we know. Exactly. It, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Facebook so that, comes about in 2007, yeah. and I don't even get I, as a high schooler. I don't get to it till 2008. It's really when it started trickling out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? I mean, this has been, by the way, this comes into my kids' uh, educational uh, adventure here because a lot of it is, you know, when you're normally in a school, what they what they want you to do is, you know, they want you to learn, uh, they want you to learn to be polished. They want you to learn to express yourself, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But a lot of it's kind of meaningless. So you're, mm. you're counting the number of words or, or you're, you are writing to the topic, but frankly, your teacher could care less because they've heard it a thousand times. You're not that deep. You're not that good about it. And you're certainly not going to share it with your 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 friends. Hey, dude, look, I wrote about George Washington. Why don't you, would you like to read my essay? They'd be like, uh, you no. know what's funny about that? And real quick, uh, well, before we continue, let me just say uh, I admire you as a father because uh, I'm on number four and I definitely want more. I joke and tell people, but I'm actually kind of serious that I want to catch up with Bob Marley. Um, how, many, so, how many does Bob Marley have? Um, Eleven legitimately but up to 22 right oh my goodness yeah and but the number that actually like follow his lead and you know follow the uh teachings that he left behind as a father is astronomical it's like 
you know, they kind of have this rolling empire, if you uh, speak, right? They have uh, marijuana businesses. They still do music that does really well. Um, I think uh, Skip Marley, who was his grandson, just won some uh, awards about that. But not to get too far. They have a a culture that's able to keep perpetuating itself. Right. Really based around this patriarch that is a positive example of a patriarch. So, you know, great to see that as, as well. So not to get off subject, right? But, you know, now that we're talking about you as a father in the same light as Bob Marley, right? The, a guy that has brought joy to millions of people. Uh, now people can kind of see this is going to be a great episode. So Bob we're Marley and I have something in common. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, So, uh, you you were just about to go into and one one thing I was uh, where, where were we? <laughs> well, you know, so the 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 big thing for for us as a family and I to be honest, I had a great childhood and I've had a lot of really positive experiences in the traditional sense of the thing. So it's not I don't know not everybody's in the same situation, but honestly, I've had good teachers. My my family was great. I've been in different environments, so I, it's not like I was uh, uh, mistreated or dissatisfied. I know other people have had different experiences, but that was not my case. My my drive was a little bit of the frustration because uh, at the time when my son was twelve, mm-hmm. and uh, we also were already willing to to homeschool, so we're already willing to do things differently. But still, it's a little bit traditional. Gotcha. But what I was seeing people that were just a few years ahead of me with their own kids. And then I started reading a lot from other people, people who are successful, entrepreneurs in particular, mm-hmm. um, where a lot of times there was there was a frustration because their own children seemed to like regress back to where they wherever they came from as far as like culturally or spiritually or whatever. So you would hear often hear, and I bumped in even recently to somebody who was like an accountant advisor to sort of these self-made millionaires. And he, he was telling me privately, it's like, you'd be surprised how many of these people can't pass it on to their kids because their kids either have an entitlement mentality or they don't understand mm. the, the empire they were given to. And it just gets all blown away in a short amount of time, which is kind of scary. Um, I mean, when you think wow. of it as a father, you build this up and then it gets squandered in a way. And there's a num- number of reasons for that. So I started sort of really thinking about that and unpacking it. And one of them, I won't say it's the exclusive reason, but a, a lot of times when, when you, if a person is successful, right? So you have a lot of entrepreneurs that I think are listening to your podcast or want to be going down that road is how do you, how do you do it so that your own success is almost not, is, is not a guarantee of failure for your own kids? Wow. And, and I, you hear a lot of people struggle with that because sometimes your kids, if you are successful, right, maybe your mm-hmm. kids have options or they didn't experience the same level of struggle. So they sort of look at you blank, blankly. I grew up under the bridge and blah, blah, blah. Right. They, yeah. they grow up in a world where, you know, they, they have things given to them and they yep. think that that's the way that it should be. And there's a ton of people who are going to listen to the last sentence I just said and say, no, that is the way it should be. Right. But what I think I hear you saying is how can you teach the child to understand the value of that? Yes. The same value that you understand and and 
uh, have for it because you're the person that put the work in for it. Yeah, I, yeah. This is something that I personally struggle with as a father, right? Um, right. And I think that is the feeling and the energy that really turns us into the the ogring fathers where it's just like, daddy's just mad all the time or daddy's really <laughs> aggressive about this, right? And, you want to tell them, no, you don't understand how bad it can be, you know? Right. And it's like, but you're, you, you sound like the, uh, you, you sound like, you know, you're the, the brimstone preachers where you're like, hey, you don't know what's coming. Right? Like, I, I guarantee you there's a couple of dads right now remembering the 2009 recession, talking to their kids like, listen, here's what I need you to do. We need to go buy gold, right? Yeah, no, totally. So, and that's, that's reality. And right. so- you know when when I so what I what I latched on to, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think that I'm I'm pretty self aware, and I w- I was very willing to experiment with education in general. So I know some people get really nervous with that. I I just don't have that particular tendency. Right. I'm pretty confident. Uh, even if I screw up, I don't think I'm going to screw up that badly. Um, well, I mean. I, so that that's not the answer. But my point, my point was, is I really started experimenting. So I was reading these books. I was coming up with my own ideas. And a lot of it had to do with when you become a teenager, you're going to get usually two, two, two ways it can go. Mm-hmm. One is you have a kid that's basically the couch potato playing video games or some variation on that, right? They're just, they don't seem to have any internal drive and motivation it's all consumption, and uh, and yet you can see their potential, right? And that's extremely frustrating because if you let this go on too long, it's it's destructive. I mean, you can amount, allow a certain amount of it. The well, the other one the problem is that we all have as adults yeah. when we start talking to people about you know, well, why isn't everyone successful? And it's that, it's, a, it's that exact problem. You never transition from being yeah. the lazy kid that you know just keeps consuming. And you skipped right over the principle of if man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. I'm not absolutely. saying man as in just men. It's people in general. No, absolutely. If we don't work, and we don't eat. You totally nail it. And the other the other uh, spectrum of that, and you could have that in the same in the same household. And I think some of that's just a person's personality and so forth. But other kids will will be in uh, be splattered in a million different directions. Right? They're constantly changing their minds of what they want to do. So maybe they're not. You wouldn't call them lazy. But they're all over the place. One moment, you know, they persuade you to buy a drum set. They go all out. And then they, all of a sudden, they suddenly decide, no, I'm done with this. And they and, you know, they want to get into something else. And you're just going nuts as a dad. Right. You're like any one of them. You're willing to support them and believe in them. But you're all over the place. Mm. And really, it's part of the same. Uh, it's 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 the same underlying problem. And a lot, especially with people, um, there, there's a feeling with teenagers of that restlessness that maybe you can remember for your own self and you start uh, yeah, gnawing man. on your own bones. I call that kind of like a caged lion where you could see a teen. They're just like going a little nuts. <laughs> yeah. Like you, and, you kind of feel like you're in a madhouse yeah. a little bit. Yeah, like, exactly. Questioning is this kid crazy, right? Yeah, I, well, I, but they feel that way. They, yeah. they, it, even the couch potatoes, you can see a lot of times they're kind of a little bit half angry. And and what it is is because if you're if you were to project yourself as an adult, you'd feel that way too. This is why it, it doesn't feel good. I mean, you may you mm. may like it. It's like eating cake, you know, the fifth cake. You're just like, I shouldn't be eating this, but you still eat it, right? right? You feel and gross. The, the part that is, you know, 
I just think really important for people to understand is that you're locked in at this age where you're too inexperienced to yes. even know why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Nailed and it. Even how to change it. Yep. You really don't know the answer. And this is what, what really is the answer is if you get your child to find a way to start bringing real value to other people with whatever mm -hmm. skill or interest that they have. So a lot of times they'll have some passing interest, hobby. It may not even be that much, but if you can show them, and, and there's a, there's a, that's where I went through this, this sort of uh, a process that'll work with pretty much anybody. But at the end of the day, mm -hmm. once they get a taste that they're going to bring value to someone else, and make a difference in their life with whatever skill that they have, that's when the light switch comes on. Because I found that before, before they're, they're a teen, before the age of 12, and it probably has to do more with hormones than anything else, they're usually happy if mom or dad just says, boy, that's great, keep going, get up. You know, they, they, they resonate well with that, which is great. That's the nurturing stage. But when they start hitting the teens, they need external confirmation that what they're doing what they're thinking about matters yes. and mom and dad loving it. They start getting ticked off because, because yeah, they want you to love what they're doing, but they don't believe you, you don't matter. You don't, <laughs> you're right. But they also, but they also know that you're obligated to right. love them. So the doubts start creeping in. So you tell them, Hey, the picture you're doing, the music you're doing, that's awesome. And they're like, yeah, whatever, old man. <laughs> you know what? On the other end, you have, um, you know, my parents are from Barbados, right? So we have West okay. Indian parents. Um, and they're kind of like Asian parents. I think all immigrant parents are kind of like this, right? Yep. Um, they're kind of straight to the punch. Yep. No, you suck at that, but keep working at it. <laughs> Please keep working at it. Because the next time you come back, I'd like you to be better, right? That's, and, that's exactly it. That's okay. the attitude. Man. And you have to be, and, and the thing is you have to find that gaps, right? So you're going to have, so a lot of times people will have these crazy ambitions Usually it's most of the time it's fueled by something they see on YouTube or uh, TV or whatever it is. So yeah, or they, they name themselves ambition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, and so they, there's not, they don't have that pathway to there. And this is part of the mm. reasons why they get so frustrated. They want to, they want to amount to something. They don't even know really what they want. They're still discovering you as a parent are, are also on this journey with them. So what we started doing is we found in like one of my, um, one of the ways, one of the conversations, we have ongoing conversations wow. is I will ask them a question. It's like, how can you bring value this weekend or in the next few days using this? And you can fill in the blank, whatever skill it is or interest that you have to, to bring real value to someone else. If they're older and the older teens, I'd say, I'll just say something like, how can you make $10 off of doing that? Right. You can't support yourself with $10. But the point is, is that grandma doesn't count, right? Grandma doesn't count. Uh, your uncle doesn't count. People who right. owe you uh, support and emotional support don't count. Yeah. Do it for them. Fine. But go find someone who is not going to give you a faint compliment. Uh, and if they're older, that typically means, you know, how can you make 10 bucks off of this? And the interesting thing is, is that a lot of what, when you do that, they have to wrestle your, your, your teenager has to wrestle with how exactly they're going to bring value. Cause most of the time, if they have an interest, it's usually inward focused, right? They, whatever topic they they have, they have a passion about it. 
So it's about bringing pleasure to them, which is okay, but it's it can't be mistaken for bringing value to other people. So normally, mm. in order to to cross that bridge to to another person, they're going to have to add another little skill or another little tool or uh, present it in a different way that the other person could start receiving it. Well, you you know what I'm realizing more and more as you go on. This is an episode that you know definitely I think all parents should listen to, but also anyone who's just humble enough to figure out why they may just keep stumbling, right? Because even as you you mentioned this, like this is kind of surreal for myself, right? Like I named myself ambition when I was 19. And since then, it's been trying to, like you said, figure out the pathways to those crazy big dreams, right? And if you can figure it out, great. But, you know, I think about how many years I spun myself in a circle, listening to the well-meaning guy with a smile that didn't have some substance behind, uh, behind what was being said. Right. So, you know, it took me a while to learn that, hey, you can't just feel like you're doing the work. You have to actually do the work. Right. right? And I I say this because even if you go all the way back to the first episode, one of the major lessons that I learned was, you know, within the whole self-help, self-development age, there's a lot of listening to audiobooks, listening to podcasts and feeling like you're doing the work. And what you're talking about essentially is how to get a teenager, you know, arguably the most difficult type of human to get to do anything and like it, uh, how to get that person activated. And I think some of the things you're saying can definitely work for all of us. So that's my next question. What creates that switch from dreaming about being more to actually being more? You mentioned purpose, but you know, how do you really get that to click? Right? Yeah, I, you have, they have to believe. Mm. So your, 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 your young person has to believe that they're impacting someone else. So what, what the thing is, is that it's difficult to know what that is exactly. So when you start down this journey, you're not walking around saying, Ah, is my kid destined to be a rock star? Is my kid destined to be an accountant? That's not the that's not the question to ask. The question to ask is what can you do right now with the interest? And that's only part of the equation because usually your interest is really not that interesting yet to other people. What right. can you do using your 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 current environment to start bringing value to other people? So a lot of times it could be as simple as uh, we don't have any musicians in our family, but I'm just going to use this one because it's such a, 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 a common trope an image that people have in the movies. Right. So let's say you, you'll have someone who's a kid who's maybe interested in playing piano guitar. Well, right away, they're going to usually if you talk him into it's like, hey, maybe you could bring value to other people by playing your guitar. The, one of the first things a teenager will typically do is then maybe they won't be as bold as to say, hey, take me to L.A. or San Francisco, but they'll come close to that. They'll say, well, I only play. They come up with excuses. I only play and it'll be some big venue that's going to cost you too much money as a as a parent. And it's not realistic. You already know they're not that good. So what you need to do is scale it back and look for something that's repeatable because uh, 
because that's the key as they act it out and wrestle with it. You don't want to put them in a position. It's like a one-time, a one-time thing where they basically they're going to probably crash. And then they usually give up in desperation. You, it's not, that's not the goal. So what you would say is like, we live in a very small community in California here. So we don't live near a big city, right? I'm not going to drive to Sacramento. I'm not going to drive to San Francisco, stay in an expensive hotel to watch, uh, to watch my child who's not very good at it. And it would cost me, I, what would I, I would be paying people to, so they can listen to my kid. I say, well, no, let's, let's scale it back. How can you bring this weekend mm-hmm. and make $10 off of it? Okay. Now this is assuming he, he, and we can, this can be another question, but let's assume he's just plausibly. Okay. Then you could say, well, the only place that they will pay me probably $10 and it would probably be a tip at best would be the local uh, clubhouse. Uh, we're basically already no one place. Okay. All right. See, now we're starting to get closer to it, but they're saying, yeah, but these are a bunch of old people there. Fair enough. And so what would they want to, what would they want to listen to? It was like, well, most of the stuff is probably not that great. I research it. So then I would get my kid saying, okay, let's find out a tune that you like. You know, there's always a, a great tune from the past that you might like and that they would recognize. So now you've narrowed down to, okay, I'm going to practice with these two or three song sets. Um, and so you go there, maybe you sweet talk the, the, the club owner who's got really nothing going. Remember really low key, right? You're not a big person. You're not a celebrity. Right. Uh, you're just finding a venue uh, and you go there and you play and everybody's ignoring your child. Your child is frustrated. He plays, he realizes the boom box or the, excuse me, the speaker that he has is really low quality. It screeches. He's a little bit embarrassed. So what you do as a parent is you have, a, you have that conversation with them. It's like, how did it go? It's like, well, it was okay. But, and then he complains, I was too close to the door or uh, people couldn't really hear me. I was trying to get their attention, but my microphone screeched. So at this point, this is the beginning. This is actually, you're starting to get the answers. So the answer could be your tunes were, were, were bad for your audience. So now you need to go back to it. You're, or, or maybe they were great, but the speakers were awful. So now you know, okay, I need to spend better money with this. Right. Or maybe you find out the time of the day was horrible. Maybe, uh, maybe the lunch crowd is not the crowd to go to. Maybe it's the night crowd. Mm. All those individual questions, I tell my child, I tell my 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 teen at that point, it's like, okay, you didn't really fail. What we found is now the beginning, the beginning of an answer of where we yes. need to go next, right? And you know what I love about that is it's you're giving them coaching and support through what I call the disillusionment stage. Yes. You're, you you can't just- It's a reality in, check. Right, you can't just be in love with this thing anymore. It's, it's about you really getting into it and what work is required to get it done. Yeah. Wow, this is amazing. So l- let's say, you know, what happens if you have a teenager that's particularly resistant, right? Uh, what would you say maybe to- uh, someone that's working in a juvenile detention facility. So those kids really don't believe in much. You said previously you have to get the kids to believe. So, you know, what's the differentiator between Mike Tyson getting into boxing while in a juvenile detention center and really falling in love with it versus all of the uh, squandered talent around him? Well, because I don't know his story that well, to be honest, but I would I would argue in that case is that as, as, a, as a parent, this is where you have an advantage. So one of the things I want to give hope 
to to fathers is they make a difference. Now, a lot of times mm. you might come to these same conclusions once you're out from the house, once you're on your own, and you have like, I should have, I should have, I should have, right? I should have made those sacrifices. I should have, I should have practiced every night. Now I got I got to work the fast food restaurant. Now I got to work the second shift. I don't have room for that anymore. It's too risky. And sometimes it is too risky. Or you do make the sacrifices, but the sacrifices are horrible. And you and you vow that this will never happen to your own kids, right? Mm. You don't want to be put in that position. So you have an advantage as, as a father to say, I'm going to use these teen years to help them discover, and not just discover. See, this is what we're in that process, in that example that I gave to you, you're not just quote discovering, are you this great musician or not? You don't know that, by the way. So let's say you, you continue that analogy and it turns out, you know, he says, ah, this is just a bunch of old geezers that are listening to me. And, you know, I say, fine, what would it take to get to, you know, this bigger venue and, and, and you work, you talk it out. Well, it's like, well, they won't even talk to me unless uh, I've got proof on YouTube uh, of me doing some concerts. I say, there's your answer. How do you get proof? And it's like, well, I need to get a camera up of me playing these tunes in a live audience, right? You're stepping up. So, but it may be as he's working through this, that he finds out that he's really good at telling jokes in between his songs or that people really resonate with him. Like they really connect with him. He doesn't know that, but he discovers that. In fact, he discovers that he hates practicing really the music. You, you might've known that as a father, that he's not really that into it, but that's okay. But he discovers, you know what? I'm really good in front of the microphone. And so he can pivot. So I teach this whole, I don't use those terms with my kids, but that's essentially what I'm doing. I'm teaching them to pivot. So you're looking that original. No, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I love exactly what you said as far as teaching them how to pivot. And, you know, also to add a little bit to the uh, Mike Tyson analogy, you were right. His father wasn't around. Um, and not saying that you were implying that you did say you didn't know his story, but uh, what it sound like your answer was is that the role, the uh, you know, one of the biggest role that the fathers can play uh, in a child's life is teaching that accountability, right? Um, yeah. As well as, you know, reinforcing and supporting the discovery of, you know, you can sit down and think of ideas to really start getting to where you want to go. Right. Absolutely. So, and you know, and th this is the, the conversational aspect, because honestly, I don't know exactly where they're going. Mm. I don't know. I don't. I personally don't. I mean, I have some suspicions and I have some educated guesses. Right. And that's the advantage I have. I could say, OK, I think you can handle it. You know, I think you can go on in that example. I think you can go on stage or whatever else other example there is. I think, but I'll tell them. I say, I honestly don't know how it's going to work out sometimes. I mean, I, I'm not doing crazy risk. They're not taking crazy risks, but, I, but I'm taking risks that, hey, if we fail, it's okay. We'll get some information out of this, right. but we got to move the dial. So you got to stay away from ideas with your kids about mm. uh, it's like the one big thing. Uh, it's going to happen a year from now. You're going to train all year to do whatever it is or practice or prepare. That's a recipe for disaster. That's not reality out there in the real world. When you become an adult, you don't, you don't, that's gambling. Right. You got to have this in-between feedback in order to know you're making it. Yeah, sometimes you get big breaks, but you're working your way because as your child is working this, they're discovering where their strengths are. Or maybe they discover, you know what? I really suck at this. I am not that good, but you'd be surprised. Uh, sometimes it, your kids will just wake up and say, you know what? I thought I was good at this, but obviously when, uh, when it's uh, go time, I'm choking. 
So mm. then I'll, I'll, and, and then as a dad, you could say, okay, it's not the, it's not the time to abandon everything in desperation, right? It's okay. I'm expecting you to fail a little bit, but not everything you did failed. It's usually a, right. a, one or two things and you can reverse engineer that. And you, you teach them that I'll tell them, I honestly don't know if it can be fixed, but let's research it. Talk to someone else who's more advanced than you. I love the example that you gave as well, where, you know, maybe you get on stage and you choke, right? Um, because even that requires some level of training. A lot of people, a lot of kids look at celebrities and megastars and they see these people performing in large amounts of uh, uh, large arenas, right? With 60,000 people. And a lot of people don't realize that it can create a large amount of stress because it is a pass or fail moment. So that's even something you have to learn to perform under pressure, right? So it, man, just every time yep. you, you roll it out for what you're teaching your teenagers, it sounds more and more like the lessons that you really do need as an adult. So I, man, absolutely. I you're, you're not just the, you know, the flip side, you're talking about the disillusionment uh, and maybe disillusionment is, is probably too strong a word because that's exactly what I'm trying to read. I'm trying to get them used to obstacles, not being quote disillusioned. Cause you normally when you say disillusionment, you're thinking of someone, okay, I thought I was going to be this. And so they abandon everything and, and mm. they're not even pivoting. They're just, they're just rebooting their whole life. Okay. Uh, and, and you don't want to be, sometimes you have to do that, but you don't want to be in that position. It's traumatic. Yeah. It's so a setback. For me, what I call the disillusionment phase is um just a phase where you kind of get snapped back to reality. Right. So okay. I'm one of those people. I love playing with possibilities. I'll, I will full on start a business with the intention to become a billionaire. Right. 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 You no, know, you won't hear me complaining about when it doesn't happen, but you will hear a conversation about how I discovered the work that was required to make that happen. Yeah. And I made a strategic decision to not go that route. I'd yep. rather spend my life doing this. If it's going to take me 20 years to accomplish this dream that wasn't rooted in purpose because it wasn't rooted in helping other people anyway, it was I wanted to be a billionaire. Why would I waste the time on that? There's better things that I can do. There's more fun that I can have helping people and building communities and doing things for people around me, right? Like, so that's kind of how I look at the disillusionment phase. It's that snapback. Okay, yeah. So maybe that's a little more tame than I, I would have normally had thought of it because you're you're just, yeah, it's like a, a checkpoint. You're having a reality feedback uh, that that's checking back against your own vision. And right. that's what you're trying to do with your kid is that partly with the teenager, though, it's a lot of times they don't even have a vision yet. So mm -hmm. usually you get that good or bad cynical vision, great vision. You usually get that uh, probably a few years out of the out of the out of the house because you still have lots of uh, fantasy ideas as to how the world world works. And then you, right. you develop that. So as a as a when the teen is in your house, that your teenager and I want to say teenager because a young I'm not talking about younger. That's a whole different story. But mm -hmm. You're you're teaching them to um, you, you're teaching them to wrestle with it, but not wrestling with it just in their head. They need to go out there mm. and and find if they're going to bring value. So the last thing you want your do, to do is to leave your your kid playing music in their room all the time, because that's a recipe for disaster. They're gonna they they're, there's a different million different directions you could go with music, and I'm just using this as an example. Right. Because it's such a popular motif in, in movies. But if you do not get out there 
and bring value to people. And it doesn't have to even be on stage. It could be in the background. If you don't, you're not going to get that feedback loop. You might think you're the greatest person and mm-hmm. you're technically really good. But then all of a sudden you leave home, you're on your own and you find out no one really wants to pay you or do anything. That's when things get rough. But if so, you could have pivoted all those years gradually, you probably would have been able to carry out your passion and make a living at it. Wow. You, you know, what I'm really hearing as well is, you know, a lot of the the sensitive artist archetype can be related to uh, a lack of feedback throughout yes. the process, right? Um where now it becomes difficult to take constructive criticism because you're viewing yes. it as a tear down of your entire process. I, yes, your whole and, identity is at stake at that point. You don't right. want to be you don't want to be in that position. Wow, this is I mean, that's that's yeah. a horrible position to be in and you got to this is why you got to talk with your child. You got to say it's not and you're not asking your child say tell me tomorrow what you want to become. What you're trying to mm-hmm. say is you know, I noticed that you're really, you know, you like doing this. And that's, again, another aspect to it. But at the end of the day, you're saying, you know, you're really into this. So we had one one child, uh, one of our children is a, a full-time programmer, loves it. I mean, he's got the he's got the total uh, stereotypical personality. <laughs> he's a- super logical, right? I mean, this this is, he loves it. But in the early days, all he was is consuming video games. And, okay, and, and it's, yeah, and I'm okay to a certain extent, you know, to relax how, and everything. How old is he? Do well, now he's, he's 20 years old now. Okay. How, so, old, but, how old was but, he when he started coding? Uh, probably around 12, maybe even wow. a little earlier. But the way we did it was, you know, I said, why don't you, instead of just consuming this game, could you, is, is there such a thing? And I, I'm smart enough to, I mean, I, I, I can't do it, but I've heard enough, right? This, mm-hmm. So your dad radar is on. What does a kid who's really, and I could see he's much more logical. He has a twin sister who's like completely artistic, completely different. Mm-hmm. And I could see his bent. And I'm like, man, it's way, I mean, we got, I got to get him channeled onto something. I don't know what exactly, but he's going to, I know that if he gets onto it, he's going to love it, right? He's in pure sugar consumption right now. He's just consuming video games. Like, uh, okay. Uh, I said, could you write some plugins to enhance those games? You know, so uh, at that time for kids, Minecraft, it still is popular a decade later. Right. One of the things that's popular is people can, they allow you to write these modifications to the game uh, called plugins. And it's very, it takes minimal amount of coding, but it's still, it introduces you to the concept of coding. So I told him, it's like, hey, if you're going to keep playing this game, I want to see you write some plugins, right? And so this became, this is part of our hijacking of our curriculum. I want you to blog about it. I want you to write. So all it was, you learned to write about it, to research it. He said, well, dad, I don't even know what language. I said, bingo, find out what languages you, I mean, uh, programming languages you need to know in order to do this. And then, and then he says, well, then I need to upload it in a particular way into the program so that my buddies can come over and play this awesomely modified game. Wow. How do you? I don't know how to do it. I said, research it. Every time you research it, you write about it. So he's developing his, uh, his uh, uh, critical thinking skills, critical thinking skills. Yes. And a lot of times like, I don't know, find out. And so he'll, he'll, things won't always work, but that's what eventually, and he abandoned the child stuff. He abandoned, he went on to bigger stuff, but that was the gateway into for him discovering something he was really good at. And, and to this day, uh, if you talk to him, he just, he just loves it. 
but that's how we did it with a lot of our kids is we said, okay, you have an interest, whatever it may be. Um, what can you do to start bringing value to other people? And that is a wow. discovery process. I love the the way that you had him connect the the two parts, right? Um, because him learning coding and him blogging about learning coding, there's blogs online that are making money, right? There, there's, you know, a lot of things that he could have done. I'm pretty sure that there's a market out there for plugins, right? Um, I'm pretty sure that, you know, being able to code in that way could have made him a lot of money with NFTs. There's some coding uh, involved in that if he was able to catch that wave. Um, and what it really sounds like is you're talking about where the rubber meets the road Yes. on, you know, creating the type of person that Gary V has been talking about. He talks about these Gen Zers that are millionaires because they know what to do on the internet. They know what to do with their computers. But newsflash for anybody listening, you don't learn tech, you don't learn the internet, you don't learn building an online business by, you know, sitting in your room and pouting about it. You learn it by actually doing it. Yep. And you're talking about, you know, people who have the ability to really change the world, because you're also talking about the generation that cares, right? You know, uh, millennials got diversity and inclusion into the workplace, which is a really big deal right now. Uh, Gen Zers uh, thing is really the climate change. And you're talking about how do we get the generation that could possibly change a lot of things for the upcoming generations uh, that could really change the world and better the world. How do we get them to have that same working spirit that made America great um, during a time when we were just booming with invention, booming with ideas? Right. So I'm not talking politically when I say make America great. I'm talking about the idea phase. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, the astronauts, the, the mathematicians behind the astronauts, the uh, the geniuses that have built the world that we live in. Yeah. And the, the, the difficulty and this is part of the blessing of being in uh, in this modern age is that the educational path is almost infinite. So right. what happens is, is that people get seduced mm. uh, into taking that next level, right? So it could be whatever. Let's say, let's say you're good at math. Your kid's good at math. I'm just using that as an example. I right. have one kid who just seems to come to him real easy. Everybody else seems to work at it. He just seems like come easy. Well, the problem is with, with the, it's not a problem. You think, well, why is that a problem? Well, the problem is that if you don't take control of the strategy of your, of your child's education, what happens is, is mm-hmm. that the, if you're good, if you're good at this one thing, then the educational system, and I mean this in the in the in the most rigid sense possible, says, well, if you're good at that, that means you should go to the next level and then to the next level. It's so all especially musicians, right? Well, I was really good and you whatever instrument. So what's what happens? The person that they're paying to teach your child says, Well, of course they should go to the next level and to the next level, but they're never testing, um, they're never testing. It's, and it's not to say that those teachers are bad, right? But the problem is they're in charge now. So you need to stay in charge. And sometimes you do need to go to the next level. Sometimes you need to pay that extra money, but you're, you're, uh, and this is what happens in a normal traditional educational system is you're on this pathway to serve somebody else's goals. So before you, if you go down that road, it's very hard to get off of it because you feel, you feel naked, man, you feel like you can't make decisions on your own when that is not true at all. They just, you're thinking, 
Oh, so he's you done a trig. So now he needs to go to calculus. And before you know it, you're going down a path you don't want to be. And and you know what is so amazing about what you're saying is that <clears throat> you're talking about the people who have followed the beaten path, right? They walk the way that you're supposed to walk, right? Like, you know, I'm 18. The next phase is I get a job. The next phase is that I get married, right? And you're we're really talking about human beings that can take active control over which way they go not taking the next step simply because it's the next step and you know what's really powerful about that is when they do decide to take the next step it's a conscious decision and that means it's one taken with conviction right and they have and you and, and it's difficult and that's what happens people go into a, a crisis mode um, in our area a lot a lot I see this especially with guys their identity is tied up so much with what they do. And I think it's reasonable. It's reasonable to have that. But right. the problem is, is that they've been on this path for so long in school. Okay. They just show up and they take the next class and then take the next class and then you graduate. But then all of a sudden they get their diploma and they're like, well, I don't know what to do. And they panic. I'm just going to join the military or I'm just going to X, Y. That wasn't their plan the whole time. They're just panicking. Right. So wow. now you're like, well, what? Had they thought and wrestled with it because they don't, the thing is they need to put food on the table. So it's a, that's a reason, that's what you have to do. You have to panic. You don't, I'm trying to say is you don't want to get to the point where you have to panic because now you've got no time left, right? So all of a sudden you finally realize, oh man, what I really want to do with my life is this. What have you been doing for the past four years? Well, I've been man. filling it up with trying to get C's in my uh, school. And uh, the rest of the time I've been uh, playing video games. Well, what about your real passion? Like, shoot, I guess my real passion was to do this, but I just let it slip by. So now you're working double shifts or you're down some educational path that you really don't want to be. Uh, and so that's what I'm trying to say is that if you could, the, your child can wrestle with it by the time they're 18, they will have a pretty good idea of what's realistic and not that you know makes sense um, to them. You What's... um really come into mind for myself, right? And, you know, a lot of the things you're saying, I'm, I'm applying directly to myself, right? Uh, mainly because my oldest child is seven and I can't yeah. apply this to him yet, right? He He's still like lost in the sauce, right? I'm still trying to get him to focus when he wakes up in the morning so that he can get out of the door on time. So right. we, we, we got some stuff he's to work on. He's in total nurturing stage, yes. you know? Yes, yeah. so, as he should be. But for myself, I think back to, you know, my my 15 year old summer and I was a part of this church. I talk about it a little bit in episode six because it was okay. really more like a cult than a church. But in this episode, we're going to say church. Right. <laughs> um, and the reason I'm saying that is because, you know, the ability to look at that situation from different angles really gave me strength. Right. So my 15 year old summer, I spent, you know, building the church for the first two weeks. They, they got the building for the first two weeks. Everybody was there for the renovation. And then as we got all the stuff out, everybody disappeared, went back to work. All the rest of the kids went to enjoy their summer. And my mom said I had to stick around and build this church, right? Um, so looking back at it, it's something that I'm supremely grateful for because it forced me to see something bigger than myself. It forced me to you know, help a group of people um and really see the joy and i'm seeing some of the lessons that you learned that maybe people didn't really intend to teach me maybe their intention was really to get to church but who cares i benefited right, right. and immensely so so what i'm also saying to people is there may be points there right there may be people uh listening where they're saying 
you know, maybe your parents wasn't around. Maybe you had to man up a little bit early or, you know, adult up a little bit early, right? Maybe you had to step in the role before your time. Uh, this is an opportunity to really look at that as you learned the lesson, you know, maybe you weren't ready for it. Maybe it was a tougher way to learn it, but you, you still got that lesson, yeah, right? If and you're, that's if you're, a gift yeah, in itself. If, you're, if, if a person listening to this as a teenager himself, and they're in that situation where they really don't have you know, guidance or, or the parents are there, but they're absentee, so to speak, for all practical purposes, then you can do this. I mean, I think this is really important that it's counterintuitive at first. It makes sense when you're doing it, right? That bringing value to other people, wrestling with how, how can I, how can I bring value? And it may not just be happiness, maybe doing something important is actually going to bring you happiness. This sounds so trite because <laughs> this is like spirituality no. 101, but most people don't believe that, right? They say, yeah. well, I'm really into, and they name their talent or their passion, or or it could be anything from, it, it doesn't have to be, I'm just using artistic stuff because it's so glamorous uh, on the face of it, but it could be anything uh, that's part of the human endeavor, but it's not until you start making an impact on people Mm -hmm. uh, that you actually start coming in and feeling alive because there's nothing so lonely as being into something and not being able to share it with other people. You and that's what really what I think teenagers struggle with. And if you think of adults, you ever been in a workplace where you feel like you're really good at it, but the people around you feel don't care or don't understand it. It's, it's, you don't say, oh, wow, I'm really good at this. It doesn't matter that they don't care. No, you feel, you feel like crap. You don't you feel know good what's... about yourself, man. So it's alienating. You're speaking truth to power right now. Right. And I say that because uh, I'm in the cybersecurity field and if I'm working, you know, for example, in a car company, right. They care yeah. about cars, not security. Right. Uh, if I'm working in a background check company, they care about getting the background checks done and being able to prove that they have good security, but they don't actually care about security, right? Right. But now that I've moved on and I've found a place where it's like, I'm really passionate about this thing. I'm not really passionate about cars or background checks, right? right. But I'm really passionate about security. Now that I've found a place where I can be in that, as well as, you know, I have my outside business as an entrepreneur, as a marketer, but within my, my career as a cybersecurity professional, now as an instructor, because that's what the company does, right? They yeah. understand when I'm really excited about those things. And that and that is a long-term process because you also, you can't, you, as you, I'm, if you're at that level, it's not just that you're excited about it, but you're also good at it, right? So it's an intersection yeah. of two things. So, you know, you, you, you have to fight that with the kids. Sometimes, you know, they're good at it, but they have no passion. Or the other problem, which is more common, is they're excited about it, but they, they really are bad at it and they don't understand they have to put the work in it. But the beauty is if, if you can get them to wrestle with it early on, they're going to find that balance. And in fact, a lot of times, like I said, you don't, you, I'm, I would hazard to guess you probably didn't know you, you would like cybersecurity when you were a teenager, right? Because you don't, maybe those, even those jobs didn't even exist. Because I was in the military. There you go. The, I got into IT because uh, my recruiter wouldn't let me go to infantry. And, you know, there is the, oh, well, he needed to fill that wreck. Well, thank God he, he kind of fought me yep. on it. I was like, no, nah, man, I'm not, I'm not signing the paperwork if you don't let me go infantry. He's like, I'm going to tell your mom. And my mom was like, get in the computers. What's wrong with you? Right? 
So, so, so as they talk to me about it, I here we are 13 years later. I love cybersecurity, right? But, and and but, that's a, but that's an application, right? It wasn't just yeah. random IT stuff. You start going down, you start wrestling it, and sometimes you find that you're better at it than you thought. And, that, and that's the thing is you, you can get that lead way when you're a teenager. You have time to explore and discover that. Right. So, so a lot of times to... you, you, you panic. I mean, I mean, think you're in a thing, but wouldn't it have been awesome had you known or been able to discover that sooner? And, and, and of course, there's a whole life experience that comes into play. But the point is, is that you can do that. I, I know that with uh, there was one particular son who's very much into business. I mean, I mean, he's the quintessential Gary V uh, like business obsession. Right. He doesn't have Not, the same potty it. mouth as him, but uh, he does not have a potty mouth, I should say. I don't want to, but he really eats that stuff. But when he was under my roof, I, a lot of my requirements were like, whatever you're passionate about, or at least you think you might be, I want you to blog about it, right? Because I didn't, um, how are we, because I want them to be able to express themselves in a way that makes sense for their field. And, nice. and, and, and you have to wrestle with this. And he started getting upset after I don't know how many blog posts he wrote. It's like, Dad, I'm just doing the same thing and over. I'm not really. I said, okay, fine. Um, then what I'm sensing is that we talked about it and he just felt like, well, no one's really listening to me on this. And, and there's a certain amount of truth. He's a nobody. Right. Uh, and so what I felt was I, I could feel in him. He had the hunger that it wasn't big enough. It was interesting. Other, my other kids weren't that way in that particular area, but he was. He loves being in front of people. He's one of these people. It's like, he's like born to be a business. He just like eats that up. So I said, it sounds to me like you're not challenged enough. So I, I challenged him. I said, okay, I'll let you off the hook to write, uh, writing the blog posts. If you come up with a challenge of doing a, 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 a vlog or videos. I think he did like a hundred videos in a row, uh, one day after another. By the end, he was exhausted every day. He put himself in front of the camera. Um, and I think at that time he put it on Instagram and he had, uh, he was reading some business books. He was into the business books. None of my other kids were at that level of interest in business. He was, and, and his first videos were awful. And he's like, and uh, I think he did it sitting down. Then eventually he found out that it worked better for him to stand up to sound more dynamic. Then he looked at uh, uh, some examples of what to do. By the time the 100th video was done, it was clear that he had grown tremendously. And after the fact, he, he thanked me profusely because uh, it's kind of like a coach, right? You, if, you, if you're a pro and you hire a coach, you don't want that coach to go easy on you. You don't want the coach to break you. That's not the goal. Right. You're, not, you're not trying to get the coach to break you. What you're trying to do is you're trying the coach to have a third party, another perspective on you to say, I see it in you. I know you can go one more lap. I can know you, I know you can do one more rep or let me give you the pep talk. And you're grateful because you need, you need, you want that. You want to go to the next level. And for him uh, in that particular case, I didn't know what the answer was. None of the, my other kids were that ambitious, but for him, it's like, I have to do something bigger. This writing a blog is too puny. It's too, I, I can't, I, I can't. I said, let's do, let's do a video. I was telling my wife, I was like, as he was doing this, I, I could see him. It was so painful for me to watch because I, I would see the the progress. Yes. And as a dad, I was like, it was so uh, a cringe. <laughs> my well, own I, son. I can as relate. he got better I, and better. Man. The, you he know what's so amazing? It, it's 
I'm listening to the story and I, I was just enthralled and I guarantee you our listeners are going to be enthralled with it. Right. Um, and then we got, I, and I'm glad you stepped into a story because it is actually that segment, right? So I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see where he ended up with it. Um, but also that's like the, that I feel like that's the secret sauce of life. What you work at, you get better at. And that growth, if you can fall in love with it, you're going to see it get exponentially better. It's how um, Dave Chappelle starts yep. his stand-up and he says, I'm sick. He's like, I'm sickly good at, it's sickening how good I am at telling jokes. He's like, I'm so good. I start with the punchlines. I pull a punchline out of a bowl and then I start writing the joke afterwards, right? And what he's expressing is that level of mastery, right? Yeah. And, and that's, where the, that's where they wake up. And at first your kids don't understand that. Mm -hmm. They're they're walking around. It's like, well, how come I don't have this level of passion at doing X Y Z? And it's honestly because they're really bad. And if they if they if that's their criteria for figuring out where they want to go, they're going to give up. That's what they do. They either give up, or or, or uh, depending on the kid's personality, or they do a lot of self loathing. I'm horrible. I mean, I hate hearing that, but that's typically what teenagers will do, right? It's like I'm just I suck, I suck, and you're just like, okay, stop with the sucking, stop with the the self loathing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you just put, you know, you're, you're not going to get a thousand people to come and play. So you're, you're not, not going to tell good. me you said stop with the sucking to teenagers <laughs> and didn't get a laugh. You you have the most disciplined teenagers on earth if you didn't get a chuckle out of that. But the, the idea is that you're teaching them. And I think that's one of the things, you know, I, I when other people look at our kids, like, man, your kids are motivated. And it's not it's not like I'm lucky in that sense of the word is that I started with something where they can, wow. they can afford to fail, but they're still wrestling with it. So it's not this, I see this a lot of, I, I have friends, I know, you know good friends and I'll see this sort of slow train wreck happening where the parents really care about their kids and they've invested in it. You can name whatever it is, right? They've invested time and they're clearly getting the best of the best in that particular field. But the problem is, is that they're not wrestling Mm -hmm. with the value part for other people. It's super critical. This is why you get kids abandoning stuff after the parents have invested so much time. It's like, I don't want to do this anymore. And they just quit right. and they go into a crisis mode. And um, there's a, uh, I, I just recently, there's a kid movie called sing uh, one of those animation movies. And there's one scene in it, you know, they have these little uh, uh, jokes in there that are really meant for the parents and not the kids. Right. And in one of the scenes, the main the main character, at least in the first uh, series, the main character is struggling. He's trying to to keep a theater afloat, whatever it is. And his best friend is a rich kid. Right. Mm -hmm. And at some point he has to crash, crash at his best friend's place. And a super sweet kid, which is typically right. Super sweet kid. You can tell he's had everything given to him in life. And uh, you're laughing because it's like, yeah, my parents are cracking down on me. Um, so they put him in the pool house. Well, his pool house is like the size of a mansion, <laughs> you know, so he's not suffering. Right. And he's right. in his bathrobe. He's comfy. And you're just laughing because he says, yeah, my parents bought me, uh, hired me a life coach. So I could try to figure out a direction in my life. And you're, you're cracking up because you totally That's, get as he's yeah. not suffering. He's not, he's not wrestling. He has every, he's not hungry. It's like, he's still going to have his eggs Benedict. And right. a nice pool. He has. He doesn't care. Like, and that's his problem. And I, wow, I think you know what? It's it's very interesting that 
you know, this is where the conversation led. Because for me, I believe that a lot of my hunger comes from being raised by immigrant parents, yep. right? And I think a Absolutely. lot of hunger within America, period, right? Like that, that really led to growth came from the mindset of the immigrants who came here, right? When, you know, if you pick the year and you pick the group of immigrants, right? Minus the very beginning, we're not excluding slavery. We're not talking about that portion. We're gonna cut that off and put that over here. But when we talk about the influx of Irish immigrants within the early uh, 1900s, right? When we talk about, you know, the drive that we see within uh, immigrants that come to America today, it comes from this hunger. And what you're talking about is that that hunger, that desire is essential uh, just to have a successful, enjoyable life. I yeah. believe that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And but you don't. And the thing is, but you don't have to you don't have to have which is ridiculous because I mean, philosophically it was like, OK, so you succeed. So then what the solution is to throw your kids outside in the cold, <laughs> you're like, well, that's that's immoral and crazy. No, right. the solution to that is to raise their vision. And the thing mm -hmm. is, they don't have a vision of their own yet. And and if you let too much time, the educational system is. Is a tool, right? You gotcha. go in and out and you use it. Uh, and, and so but you still have to wrestle with what what can they do to bring value? And it's and, and there's there's a lot of answers found in wrestling with that issue when you're wrestling with the issue the other thing is that you you need to do too as a parent is like you need to come to grips with who you are uh uh as a family mm -hmm. the environment that you're living in so you don't want to do things like you know your kids watching uh, a show and they fall in love with the Olympics. They see, they see, for example, uh, ice skating and your kid says, Oh, I'm going to become an Olympic ice skater. Okay, fine. Right. But you, but you live in a place where there are no ice skating rinks, uh, the culture around you, no one knows how to ice skate. So the only way you can do that is for your parents to drive two or three hours away to a big city that costs them a fortune. Uh, maybe, maybe after all that time, you do become a superstar in that area. But guess what? All the other kids in your family, they're going to write the memoirs about how their life was horrible because you got to be the superstar. And so when you when you wrestle with your environment as to how to bring value individually, each child, you're also staying within the bounds of reality. And that's what mm -hmm. happens. A lot of times people have these like visions that are not realistic in the sense that they're not using their environment to build up. So they have these grandiose ideas, you know, like uh, I'm going to become a, a, a famous mountain climber, but you live in the desert. How exactly is that going to work? Right. So. You right. So, so even when you spoke about the um, the uh, ice skating uh, scenario, my brain was like, hey, maybe start with rollerblading, kid. <laughs> like exactly. And that's by the way, that that would be that. OK, that is an awesome uh, segue. Because you can say, hey, you know, <laughs> ice skating is not in our area or it's even outside of our ability to pay uh, for real uh, teachers in that area. But maybe we could do rollerblading. You could say, well, what kind of life uh, could you do with rollerblading? There's a million different directions you can go. You can get and go yeah. into the whole supply, into the whole uh, uh, business side of it, the technology side of it. I mean, there's a million different directions apart from just being an artist in that area. I mean, the music industry is full of this, right? You can make a fortune without being an artist. Right. There's uh, you know, guy that I actually went to school with, 
um, we had a studio class in our school. We went to Brooklyn School for Music and Theater, right? Um, so we learned how to use things like Pro Tools, which is what sound engineers use yep. to make beats and create samples, so different things, right? He actually is like one of the best producers in Brooklyn, New York right now. He's produced for uh, French Montana. Um, you may not know them, but French Montana, designer, uh, and a lot of big names. So it, it's crazy to see how something that he started, a skill that he started developing when we were teenagers, right? I remember doing yep. a song with him when he was 17 and I was 15 or 14, uh, one of the two. And now this is where he is, but you're right. It does come from that, hey, you don't have to be the rapper, right? You're really good at producing. You're really good at sound engineering. And he's, I still think he's a really dope rapper, but he he's carved the lane where his life is great doing what he does. And, 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 and it's true too, that even, even us, you know, there's a lot of things I enjoy that you probably enjoy, but you probably would not find it enjoyable to actually live that life of producing whatever it is that you enjoy. It's like, you know what, I, I, I like this particular sport or I like this particular music, but no, I would not want to live that life. I want, I, want, I want to live this kind of life and just enjoy that on the side. And I think that's a lot of that maturing process, you know, where, where people actually are really good at something. And, uh, and I would imagine cybersecurity is not one of those sexy things, except in maybe rarefied circles when you say, hey, guys, <laughs> when I'm 15. No, listen. But, for but me, you get into this and you can really, it's, it's beautiful. It's an art form, right? Yeah, no, it's, um to me, it's the sexiest thing on earth, right? Because right. the cybersecurity is one of those fields that was created by, you know, the negative of something really positive. As the internet connected us, people figured right. out that you can be a criminal on it. And now you have cybersecurity professionals. And hacker world is really cool. They do some extremely cool stuff if you're a nerd like me, right? But yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, let me just say, by the way, we are not doing the story for a story segment. The content and some of the things you're saying is just so rich. I just want to get more of that. Yeah, so sure. forget story for a story. But I did have a question before, you know, box off. did have a question for you. Let's say you, there's someone listening right now, right? They have that teenager who is very talented, right? But what they found that that teenager does like to do is jump into the thing, figure out where the failure is, jump out, figure out something else that they wanna do, right? Is that actually a problem or is there a vein where that's just you know the type of person they are and you can still help them figure out how to amass skills along the way to be successful? I would say that it depends the situation. So what, what I'm saying is when you're saying jumping in and out, there's two different reasons why people could do that. Sometimes when people are jumping in and out is because they're not getting that uh, sense of success right. that they thought they would get, right? So they're jumping in and out. It's like, oh, I'm tired and bored of this. My friends don't like it, whatever it is. And, and you don't, I mean, I, not knowing the situation, but as a parent, you'd probably know. So it'd be very specific. So uh, that would be one situation. The other, the other mm -hmm. scenario is, is that whatever it is they're jumping in and out of, 
that might actually be the thing that they're into. So, so if you have, let's say someone who's uh, constantly repairing things, repairing a car, repairing a computer, it may be that they're just super, uh, you know, they don't, they don't mind what it is as long as they're repairing it. So that's the Mm. thing, you know, the fixing thing, right? So you're thinking, oh, it's cars when really they would love anything mechanical, whether it be cars, whether it it be rockets or whether it be computers, they just want to get their hands on it. And it's the very next thing. So in that case, then you actually do have something very specific. And and what you want to do is give them an opportunity to, to go deep on it, right? So it could be, and again, it depends the age, but it could be, okay, your child's doing, uh, uh, you know, cars with the neighbor because uh, the guy is working on a hot rod. He just happened. To, and then that project is done. He doesn't know anybody else, but he jumps in with uh, one of the uh, neighbor kid who's got two or three computers and they're up way into the night trying to geek out uh, on the cars right. to try to get it up. And then you find out he's uh, over at another neighbor's later to help out because he's into repairing a mm. lawnmower. So what you're doing as as a as a parent is you're noticing oh, I see I see something here right he's got a mechanical engineering bent or he's got a hands-on thing right so so you actually do have something and the fact that he's jumping around is simply because you haven't really come up with a strategy so mm. in that case it's kind of indifferent whether it be cars computers etc but you do want to have you want to look for something where you can repeat this okay so gotcha. you got to look at your environment. If you can only do this once and once every few months, you're not, he's not going to gain enough traction, but in this other area uh, where you can apply his same uh, uh, maybe natural bent or ability, he's able to repeat this week after week. He's going to gain massive traction. Mm-hmm. And he's going to, at that point, once he gets massive traction, he's going to start driving. He's going to get better and better and better. He's not going to want to want to jump around and just be oh, so, so in those areas. So that, that would be it. The, the other, uh, possibility why that person is is jumping around is that they they just feel um uh inadequate Mm. and and some of that might be a legitimate feeling that they have in other words sometimes you can be your child is over ambitious or you are over ambitious as a parent you're thinking hey this was easy for me as a child or this other this other daughter or son was really good at it Right. How come they can't get, they're just overwhelmed. Like this really is not my, but they can't express it that way. They just feel like they need to do it. They get overwhelmed, they shut down. And so you probably need to roll it back. And again, it goes back to the test. Can you bring value? If they feel like they're having a meltdown, trying to do whatever it is they're doing, then you're probably pushing them too hard. I mean, this is, you know, it's that fine line, but I think if you know your child, it's not, it's not an abstract concept. You actually know it if they're actually breaking down in tears <laughs> not you uh, you probably found the boundary uh mm. if they're like my son getting ticked off at me because they're saying you're making me do this over and over it's too easy it's mind-numbing then i know that i i haven't i haven't pushed him to the breaking point you know i haven't found actually what it is in that case i wasn't challenging him enough and it turned out that he loves being in front of a camera so i i think that you may have a um because I, I think there's also like a misdiagnosis of kids as well. You There's the opportunity to go deep. But as you mentioned, if deep is a predetermined path, right, which is what a lot of us tend to see, right? For example, going deeper in cybersecurity could have meant going deeper on price. But for me, it really meant going deeper in skill level and being able to evaluate the difference. 
So, you know, that's why I asked the question, because sometimes that requires jumping from role, uh, then jumping into another role and really seeing what you learn about the entirety, because eventually there's a position such as, you know, a director of a cybersecurity team or, you know, there's these strategic roles that you can get in specifically because you've acquired knowledge from all of these different areas, right? Um, do you think that's a possibility for a person as well? Or is it just that, you know, they haven't figured out where they want to go yet? So you're, you're talking here about a young person still, right? A teenager. I think, I think adults can be a lot more self-aware. Mm. Uh, uh, well, even, even as a, a, a young person, do you think that level of self-awareness can occur? Maybe, you know, maybe not in early teen years, but we're thinking maybe 17, 18, around those years. If they've been wrestling with it because they're getting feedback as to how, as to how things actually work in, in, gotcha. in the real place. I was talking with someone who's a very successful artist and uh, he started at an early age and his own, some of his own children are actually becoming successful artists. And he very much uh, poo-pooed the idea of the, you know, the starving artist concept. And it's because, and his, it's glad he did to, to, yeah, because a lot of, because you're not, because if you're, if you're not wrestling with your art to bring value to people, uh, you're, you're not being realistic. I mean, what, right. how, how, why would you at 24 realize no one wants to listen to your music? You know, for example, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you should have known much sooner that no one wants to listen to your music, right. Or at least modified it or played in a different place or chosen a, or, you know, or pivoted onto another instrument or something. And a lot of time that has to do with people being stuck on this educational route where you're actually paying people mm -hmm. to listen to you or teach you, but that's not the market. Are those people going to come and listen to you if you're not paying them? If the answer is no, then you have not found your market yet. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't take lessons necessarily, but you need to be realistic. You need to get that feedback. And, and the thing is that feedback is not a, it's not a, a black or white answer as far as like, yes, going to music. No, don't go into music. It's more, okay, they didn't respond to that. Is it, is it because I'm not good technically? Is it because the genre I'm doing is not the right place or is my genre great, but I'm living in the wrong place. Wow. You need to, you do not know the answer to that question is going in and your, your teens think, uh, and that's because they're young. They think in black and white. They're either people love me or they don't. I'm like, well, you, in real life, if you want friends, it's not like you walk up to someone and say, hey, do you want to be my best friend? You say, okay, that's the best way uh, <laughs> to scare people off. It's like, how do they know they want to be your best friend, right? You, 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 and you have to teach sometimes your kids that way and they, they figure it out pretty quick. But you got to say, okay, stop coming on so strong. They don't know you. Uh, mm -hmm. What would what would you need to 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 do in order for someone to be you know friendly back in return? Well, you probably say, well, maybe I want to ask questions about their life first. I said, bingo. So in other words, it's it's a it's a it's a conversation, a dance, whatever you want to call it, with the market or the people around you who may be interested in what you're doing. Got you. You need, you need to listen to them. So it's not a black and white. And sometimes the people that may want you don't necessarily know what they want either. So it's right. a conversation. Right. So you're, you're really talking about, you know, teaching your children how to discover their target yes. audience really early on. And you're, you're absolutely right. That skill is a measurable in value and I, not just as a teenager, but for the rest of your life. Right. Yes. Um, 
I think when we look at, you know, some of the examples of, you know, let's say influencers, right? Um, not sure if you're familiar with uh, Bad Baby or Bad Barbie, I believe it was, uh, Daniel Bergobi, Dr. Phil. No, I'm not familiar with the name, no. The Cash Me Outside girl, right? That So long story short, misbehaving teen, right? Went on Dr. Phil, right? Just uh, very entertaining. People really fell in love with her antics. But at this point now, she's switched over and she's really turned herself into a business. She's found her target audience. Okay. Right. And, you know, really kind of refined a lot of her behavior and, you know, just kind of grew up. Right. Honestly, right. she just grew up. And she's responding to her audience. Exactly. So now that she's found her audience and she learned how to do that early on, we're, we're looking at the difference of a story that could have ended really bad, but turned out really good. And it's, you know, very much so credit to the skill that you're talking about the discovering your target audience while you're a teenager. It's amazing. So, yeah, and, and, you know, and that's the thing is when you're a teen, you really do have a lot of emotions going because, hey, you know what, it's the first time. I mean, even for us as, as adults, it's hard to put ourselves out there, uh, even in small ways and to be rejected. But I think the secret is, is to is to be more uh, uh, self-aware as far as not, not self-aware in the, the hypercritical sense, but being aware of what it is that people appreciate about what you're bringing to them and then making a conscious decision to say, you know what, maybe I want to bring more, but I, I can't quite do that. Is there something I can do to increase that or decide, you know what, I really don't want to bring this at this point in time. I want to bring something else to it. And it's really, uh, it's something that can be groomed and cultivated for each of your of your children. And I hope I mean, you know I know you have a lot of entrepreneurs who are who are um, listening to your podcast. I hope that they can understand that just because you know maybe they made a fortune and uh, at a car dealership or or right. whatever it is that they've done, that doesn't mean they have to clone their child. It's like oh great, my child is not at all interested in what I'm doing, or uh, so now I'm screwed. Uh, he just, I'm going to put him back into the educational system. Good luck. He'll find his own way. Right. It doesn't have to be that way. You can afford, in fact, the fact that you're wealthy potentially, or that you have an opportunity, your child has now more options to uh, discover and bring value uh, through you. So you're, you're, you're not just, um, you're, you're not a, a person just sort of selling by in the dark. You actually make a difference to your child's life because you can open those doors Mm. Uh, early on, not to be cloned to look like you, but to give them a platform to act in. I, I love that. So in the spirit of wrapping it up, right? And yep. this is going to be my last question. And then we're going to close it. But uh, actually, no, we're not going to close it. We're going to ask you some questions about how can some people get a hold of, you know, some of the lessons that you're really speaking about. Um, but also, so let me get on with the question, right? horrible with transitions today right <laughs> um so that question is what is the last thing that you would leave our listeners with uh that can help them become better parents and maybe you know implement some of these lessons into themselves maybe there's some checking that we need to do as you know leaders because i believe all parents are leaders where we can set the example. So what is the best piece of advice that you would give to the, these, uh, to the listeners? I think, I think parents and dads in particular, 
can really sort of fall in love with their kid's personality because wow. they're, they can be the key. You can be the key to unlocking their potential. So if you leave your kids to themselves, it's going to be, it's rougher. It's always rougher for them to discover their potential, but you are, you can make that difference for them to discover the potential sooner or a bigger potential than they thought they had. Mm. And I think that's, it's exciting. Um, each of my children are very different one from me. They get along great, but they're also very different from each other. And I think that's one of the joys in life is to find out that your kids are different than yourself. I mean, sometimes you wish, oh, I wish they were exactly like myself, but to be honest, uh, I, I like myself. I don't necessarily want a clone of myself. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's nice to know I have someone else that have a different passion or different outlook on life and right. where you are part of that process and journey so that the teachers aren't getting all the benefits of, quote, discovering their passion or talent or someone else. You're part of that process and you can own that. Right. And uh, listen, I'm 100 percent with you on that one. Uh, for those of you listening, well, before we get there, how can people reach out to you? How can they um learn more about how to be better fathers uh, and entrepreneurs, right? And how to really pass on that entrepreneur spirit to their kids in maybe not so an evasive way. Because I believe that's what I've heard you talk about this entire time. So how can we get in touch with you? So go to parenttheirpassion.com. So spell it all out, parenttheirpassion.com. Right on the main page, smack dab in the middle, really obvious. Put your email in. and in exchange for your email, because I'll send you a bunch of tips over the weeks, free tips on what to do. But there's going to be a worksheet right away that you can download for yourself. And it's an inventory of what your child already has going for them, inventory of your family's um, advantages, and then showing you how you can uh, how you can merge that to get started right away. So there's usually a lot of things you could do, but you have to focus on one thing. And so basically, this worksheet walks you through that one thing you can get started on today to get your child started and, and developing a real passion. Man, that's amazing, right? We're definitely going to get all of that into the show notes. So check the description down below. And for all of you listening, go be great.